Chapter Forty Five of Crips the Carrier by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Forty Five: The Position. Among my relations, said Mrs. Sharp, reclining for fear of asserting herself as soon as her lord looked up again, I have always been thought to possess a certain amount of stupid common sense. Nothing of depth or grand stratagems, I mean but a way of being right nearly nine times out of ten, and I think that this feeling is coming over me just now. My dear, if it is so, do relieve yourself. Do not consider my ideas for a moment, but let me know what your own are. Luke, how you love to ridicule me. Well, if my opinion is of no account, I can only ask questions, as you tell me. In the first place, how did you get the girl away? Most easily, under her father's orders and i can write the old gentleman's hand to any extent and his style as well for the glory of the lord she did so and how did you bring her to do such shocking things she must have had a strong idea that they were not honest far otherwise she took an enthusiastic view of the matter from the very first i made it quite clear to her how much there was at stake and the hardest job for a long time was to prevent her from being too zealous she scorns to take anything for herself unless it can be put religiously and for a long time i was quite afraid that i could not get a metal band on her but she found out before it was quite too late that the mission of the brotherly love abounders upon the west coast of africa had had all their missionaries eaten up and required a round sum to replace them i promised her five thousand pounds for that when her own mission ends in glory then you are quite certain to have her tight i might trust you for every precaution luke but how have you managed to keep them so quiet while the neighbourhood was alive with it and in what corner of the world have you got them and who was the poor girl that really did die one question at a time if you please miranda though they all hang pretty much upon one hook i have kept them so quiet because they are in a corner of the world where no one goes in a lonely cottage at the furthest extremity of the old stow wood where their nearest road is a timber track three-quarters of a mile away they are waited on by a deaf old woman who believes them to be americans which accounts to her mind for any oddness their washing is done at home and all their food is procured through cripps the swineherd whose forest farm lies well away so that none of his children go to them cripps is indebted to me and i hold a mortgage of every rod of his land and a bill of sale of his furniture and stock he dare not play traitor and claim the reward or i should throw him into prison for forgery upon a little transaction of some time back moreover he has no motive for i have promised him the same sum and his bill of sale cancelled when the wedding is happily celebrated meanwhile he is making fine pickings out of me and he caters at a profit of cent per cent there is nobody else who knows anything about it except a pair of gypsy fellows too wide awake to come near the law for any amount of guineas one of them is old kershu a celebrated horse dealer whom i employed to drive the horse and the needful vehicle from london he knew where to get his horses without any postmaster being the wiser and his vehicle was a very tidy carriage bought by the gypsies for a dwelling-place and furbished up so that the chases of the age are not to be compared with it 
the inquiries made at all livery stables and posting houses and so on my order of overshoot and the good squire and some of them through my own agency have afforded me genial pleasure and some little share of profit really my dear said mrs sharp you were scarcely right in charging for them you should have remembered that you knew all about it that was exactly what i did my dear and i felt how expensive that knowledge was as a little set-off against the pig-master's bills i made heavy entries against the good squire the fault is his own he should not have driven me into costly proceedings by that lowest of all things of arrogance of birth well the other gypsy man is no other than joe smith who jumped the broomstick with the lovely princess cinnaminta you must have heard of her miranda half of the ladies in oxford were most bitterly jealous of her some years back i am sure then that i never was mr sharp a poor creature sitting under sacks and doing juggling none of the kind you never saw her she is a woman of superior mind and most refined appearance indeed her eyes are such as never oh that is where you have been luke is it while we have been here for a fortnight trembling nonsense miranda don't be so absurd the poor thing has just lost her only child and i believe she will go mad with it it was her pretty sister young kibira who died of collapse and was buried the same night this case was most extraordinary the fever struck her without any illness just as the plague and the cholera have done with a headlong concentrated leap as a thunderstorm gathers itself sometimes into one blue ball of lightning and she was laughing at ten o'clock and her poor young jaw tied up at noon and a great panic burst among them luke exclaimed mrs sharp strongly shuddering you never mean to say that you came home to me from being among such people without a change of clothes or anything how could i come home without anything my dear but i was not among them at all that day nor at any other period i never go to work in that coarse sort of way familiarity begs contempt however i was soon informed of this most sad occurrence and for a while it quite upset me coming as it did at such a very busy time however when i had time to dwell more calmly on the subject i began to see a chance of turning this keen blow to my benefit the gypsy camp was broken up with fatalistic terror the most abject of all terrors as the courage of the fatalist is the fiercest of all courage they carried off their royal stock the heiress of the gypsy throne as soon as some fine thief is hanged quite as the bees are said to carry off their queen when a hornet comes poor cinnaminta was caught away just when i might have made her useful and only two men were left to attend to the burial of her sister of these my friend joseph smith was one as he ought to be being cinnaminta's spouse it was a very active time for me i assure you miranda dear the complication was almost too much to be settled in so short a time and some of my hair which had been quite strong was lying quite flat in the morning perhaps you remember telling me yes that i do luke i could not make it out your hair had always stood so well and a far better color than the young men have got and you told me that it was gone like that from taking cockles antibilious pills miranda i have never deceived you i did take a couple and they helped me on but without attributing too much to them i did make a lucky turn of it 
their manner of sepulture is brief and wise or at any rate that of this tribe is though they differ i believe very widely these wait till they are sure that the sun has set and then they begin to excavate i was able to suggest that in this great hurry and scattering of the tribes of israel the wisest plan would be to adopt and adapt a very quiet corner already hollowed and indicated by name which is so much more abiding than substance as a legendary gypsy akaldama the idea was caught at as it well deserved to be in the panic and lack of time and terror of the poor dead body the poor thing was buried there with very hasty movements her sister and the rest being hurried away and it is quite remarkable how this the merest episode has by the turn of events assumed a primary importance foresight and insight and second sight almost would be attributed to me by any one who did not know the facts scarcely anybody would believe as this thing worked in my favor so much that i can scarcely claim the invention any more than i can take any credit for the weather indeed i may say without the smallest presumption or profanity that something higher than mere fortune has favored my plans from the very first i had provided for at least one whole day's start before any alarm should be given but the weather secured me i may say six weeks before anything could be done in earnest and then the discovery of that body by a girl who was frightened into fits almost and its tardy disinterment and the universal conclusion about it which i perhaps helped in some measure to shape also the illness with which it pleased providence to visit messrs oglander and overshoot i really feel that i have the deepest cause to be grateful and i trust that i am so certainly my dear your cause is just said mrs sharp as her husband showed some symptoms of dropping off to sleep again but in carrying it out you have inflicted pain and sad sad anxiety on a poor old man can he ever forgive you or make it up i should hope for his own sake replied the lawyer that he will cast away any narrow-mindedness otherwise we shall not permit him to rush into the embraces of his daughter but if he proves relentless it matters little except for the opinion of the world he cannot touch portwine's property at all and he may do what he likes with his own little wealth his outside value is some forty thousand pounds however if i understand him aright we shall manage to secure his money too tied up i dare say but what matters that he is the most fond papa and his joy will soon wash away all evil thoughts how delightful it will be cried the lady with a sigh to restore his long-lost child to him still it will be a most delicate task you must leave all that to me luke with pleasure my dear miranda your kind heart quite adapts you for such a melting scene and indeed i would rather be out of the way but i want your help for more than that you shall have it luke with all my heart and soul it is too late now to draw back though if you had asked my advice i would have tried to stop you but just one question more how did you get rid of john smith and his inquiries they say that he is such a very shrewd man do you not know will nobody ever know the difference between small uneducated cunning and the clear intelligence of a practised mind to suppose that john smith would ever give me any trouble he has been most useful 
i directed his inquiries and exhausted the inquisitive spirit through him but you did not let him know miranda now i shall go to bed if i am so very fast asleep can no woman ever dream of large utility i have had no better friend throughout this long anxiety than john smith and without expenditure of one farthing i have guided him into the course that he should take when he hears of anything the first thing he asks is now what would lawyer sharp be inclined to think of this perhaps i have taken more trouble than was needful but at any rate it would be disgraceful indeed if john smith could cause me uneasiness the only man i have ever had the smallest fear of has been russell overshoot not that a young fellow is at all acute but that he cannot be by any means imbued with the proper respect for my character how very shocking of him my dear luke when your character has been so many years established miranda it is indeed shocking but what can be expected of a radical ever since that villainous reform bill passed the spirit of true reverence is destroyed but he must have some respect for me as soon as he knows all although to confess the pure truth my dear things have worked in my favour so that i scarcely deserve any credit at all except for the original conception that however was a brave one it was indeed and i am scarcely brave enough to be comfortable there is never any knowing how the world may take things it is true that old fermitage was not your client and you had been very badly treated and had a right to make the most of any knowledge obtained by accident but old mr oglander is your client and has trusted you even in the present matter i do not think that my father would have considered it quite professional to behave so mrs luke sharp was alarmed at her own boldness in making such a speech as this she dropped her eyes under her husband's gaze but he took her remarks quite calmly my dear we will talk of that another time the fact that i do a thing after all my experience should prove it to be not unprofessional at the present moment i want to go to bed and if you are anxious to begin hair-splitting bed is my immediate refuge but if you wish to know about the future of your son you must listen and not try to reason i did not mean to vex you luke i might have been certain that you knew best and you always have so many things behind that solomon himself could never judge you tell me all about my darling kit and i will not even dare to cough or breathe my dear it would grieve me to hear you cough and break my heart if you did not breathe but i fear that your kit is unworthy of your size he has lost his young heart beyond redemption without having the manners to tell his mother they all do it luke of course they do it is no good to find fault with them i have been expecting that sort of thing so long and when he went to spires for the melanosotrophy with the yellow stopper to it i knew as well as possible what he was about i knew that his precious young heart must be gone for it cost him seven and sixpence yes my dear and it went the right way in the very line i had laid for it i will tell you another time how i managed that with hannah patch of course to help me the poor boy was conquered at first sight for the weather was cold and the snow still in the ditches and i gave him six pennyworth of brandy balls so kit went shooting and got shot according to my arrangement 
Ever since that, the great job has been to temper and guide his rampant energies. And, of course, he knows nothing. Oh, no, he would be so very unworthy if he did. Oh, do say that he knows nothing, Luke. My dear, I can give you that pleasing assurance. Although it is a puzzling one to me, Christopher Fermitage Sharp knows not Grace Oglander from the young woman in the moon. He believes her to have sailed from a new and better world. Undoubtedly he is my son, Miranda. Yet where did he get his thick-headedness? Mr. Sharp! Miranda, make allowance for me. Such things are truly puzzling. However, you perceive the situation. Here is a very fine young fellow, in his mother's opinion and his own, desperately smitten with a girl unknown, and romantically situated in a wood. There is reason to believe that this young lady is not insensible to his merits. He looks very nice in his sporting costume. He has no one to compete with him. He is her only bit of life for the day. He leaves her now and then a romantic rabbit, and he rescues her from a ruffian. But here the true difficulty begins. We cannot well unite them in the holy bonds without a clear knowledge on the part of either of the true patronymic of the other. The heroine knows that the hero rejoices in the good and useful name of Sharp, but he knows not that his lady-love is one Grace Oglander of Beckley Barton. Here again you perceive a fine stroke of justice. If Squire Oglander had only extended his hospitalities to us, Christopher must have known Grace quite well, and I could not have brought them together so. At present he believes her to be a Miss Holland from the United States of America, and as she has promised Miss Patch not to speak of her own affairs to anybody, according to her father's wish in one of the Demerara letters, that idea of his might still continue although she has begun to ask him questions which are not at all convenient but things must be brought to a point as soon as possible having the advantage of directing the inquiries or at any rate being consulted about them i see no great element of danger yet and of course i launched all the first expeditions in every direction but the right one that setting up of the tombstone by the poor old joan was a very heavy blow to the inquisitive but my dear that did not make the poor girl dead a bit more than she was dead before miranda you do not understand the world the evidence of a tombstone is the strongest there can be and beats that of fifty living witnesses i won the most difficult case for our firm when i was an ardent youth and the victory enabled me to aspire to your hand by taking a mallet and a chisel and a little nitric acid and converting a francis by moonlight into a francis i kept the matter to myself of course for your good father was a squeamish hand but you have heard me speak of it yes but i thought it so wrong my dear even though as you said truth required it truth did require it the old stonemason had not known how to spell the word i corrected his heterography and we confounded the tricks of the evil ones. All is fair in love and law, so long as violence is done to neither. And now I wish that Kit's unsophisticated mind to be led to the perception of that great truth. It is needful for him to be delicately admitted to the knowledge of my intentions. There is nobody who can do this as you can. He takes rather clumsy and obstinate views of things he is too young to understand. 
the main point of all with a mind like his is to dwell upon the justice of our case and the depth of our affection which has led to such a sacrifice of the common conventional view of things my dear but i have had nothing to do with it conception plan and execution are all your own and no other person's why i had not even dreamed still you must put it to him miranda as if it was your doing more than mine he has more faith in your well what shall i call it i would not for a moment wrong him by supposing that he doubts his own father's integrity in your practical judgment let us say and perception of the nicest principles it is absolutely necessary that you should appear to have acted throughout in close unison with me in fact it would be better to let the boy perceive that the whole idea from the very first was yours as in simple fact it must have been if circumstance had permitted me to tell you all that i desired to any idea of yours he takes more kindly perhaps than to those which are mine this is not quite correct some would say but i am above jealousy i always desire that he should love his mother and make a pattern of her his poor father gets knocked about here and there and cannot halt to keep himself rigidly upright though it always is his ambition but women are so different and so much better even kit perceives that truth let him know my darling that your peace of mind is entirely staked upon his following out the plan which you mean to propose to him but my dear luke i have not the least notion of any plan of any sort never mind miranda make him promise i will tell you all about it afterwards it is better not to let him know too much knowledge should come in small doses always otherwise it puffs up young people alas how i feel that i am not as i was twenty years ago i could have sat up all night talking and not shown a sign of it the next day i have not had any sleep for the last twelve nights do you see any rays in my eyes dear wife they are sure indications of heart disease when i am tired they always come oh luke luke will you break my heart you shall not say another word have some more negus i insist upon it it is no good to put your hand over the glass and then come to bed immediately you are working too hard for your family my pet End of chapter 45